The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. I'm your man Jacob Goins here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this Thursday afternoon. It's another beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. Carter, we've got your name in the intro now, man. I got, I finally got it. We finally got you in there. You get your recognition. How are you, man? Doing all right, man. It's been it's been a good day. Uh, gotten ahead on all my all my work. Got in here. We. Uh, Got got in here early. Got got some work done. Ready to go for the show. That's everything right. everything couldn't be going better. We're, we're we're looking at a sunny weekend, which I know that you are excited for. I am very excited for it. Yeah, it was looking like uh, possibly rain for, uh, tomorrow night, possibly rain on Saturday, but it all went. It all moved with the hurricane. It all went the other way, and it looks like it's going to be a beautiful next couple of days here in the Auburn Opelika area. So uh, yeah, looking forward to that. I. Um, Obviously, we have high school football tomorrow night. We have two big games tomorrow night uh, here from Auburn Networks, starting with, or I guess they'll be at the same time, but you and I will be at home for Lee Scott Academy as they are hosting Autauga for homecoming. It's another region game for the Warriors. That'll be 6.30 broadcast time on AU100. That's 100.3 on your radio dial or on the Lee Scott Sports Network Facebook page and the Lee Scott Sports Network YouTube channel. Broadcast time at 6.30, kickoff at 7 as the undefeated Lee Scott Warriors look to uh, extend their win streak this season as they take on Autauga for homecoming at home tomorrow night. And then it is Opelika and Auburn High over on Wings 94.3, our sister station here at Auburn Networks. And um, broadcast time at 6.30, kickoff at 7 with Scott Bagwell, Rob Pate, and Jack Cudden on the Auburn High School Sports Network. So that is a huge game. It's now a region game on top of it being a big rivalry with Auburn and Opelika. So again, 6.30 broadcast time, kickoff at 7 for Auburn High and Opelika. That should be a fantastic game as well. Plus all of our live events we have going on this weekend here on ESPN 106.7. We have the Braves and the Mets all weekend long, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which is looking like it needs to be a very successful weekend for the Braves. Uh, We'll talk about the results of last night later on in the show. But we've got that series all weekend long here on ESPN 106.7. We have Alabama and Arkansas on Saturday afternoon. We have after the game, after Auburn and LSU play Saturday night. That'll be with Jack Hudden and Carter Bird, of course. Uh, That's going to be a late one, but... It's going to be a late one, but I feel like one way or the other, it's going to be a fun show. It's going to be a good show. And it's, of going course, to be, it's going to be entertaining. And, of course, they take your calls. You can call in, and you can either uh, hype up and be excited about Auburn winning, or you can call in and complain about Auburn losing. Am, it's it's totally am, up to you. I'm at least – I feel certain that Terry will undoubtedly call one way or the other. <laughs> but, but everybody – I mean, last show that I was on, I wasn't on last week, but uh, we had – 
13 callers mm-hmm. if not more than that yeah oh, it's a very popular thing and, and and it's a great show you guys do a great job so that's on saturday then on sunday we have an nfl game it's the titans uh and the oh i forget who they're playing titans and somebody else they're playing at jacksonville maybe or some, there's an nfl game on sunday and then the braves and mets uh wrapping up the series Wait, there's there's an nfl an nfl game on sunday well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's news to me. <laughs> yeah, news, yeah, news to you. We have an NFL game on Sunday here on ESPN. Trying to remember. Oh, I'm trying to get it pulled up and see who it was. It's the Titans. They're on the road somewhere and trying to figure out who that is. And again, we have it here on the – it's Tennessee and Indianapolis. That's who it is. They play at the Colts. So busy, busy weekend here on ESPN 106.7, plus high school football tomorrow night on AU100 and Wings 94.3. So we've got a lot going on this weekend here at Auburn Network. But let's get into the show. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, call in, be a part of the show, and be on the line as we are two days away from Auburn and LSU uh, going to battle Saturday night in Jordan-Hare Stadium. And TJ Finley is out against LSU. Uh, he is still dealing with the shoulder problems, and he is now out against LSU. It will be Robbie Ashford who gets the start on Saturday night against LSU. LSU. Not that we really expected TJ Finley to come back and be the starter in this game, but now that it's official and Robbie Ashford is your QB1, how are we feeling about that? I mean, it doesn't change anything. I mean, we knew TJ Finley wasn't actually going to play. We knew Robbie Ashford was going to start. The The depth chart said as much. I just think it's I think it's just more dumb depth chart games that they're playing with the fact that TJ Finley was listed as the backup coming into this week. I mean, they had he was at, uh, as an or with Holden Gurner, and that's just he's not playing. I mean, it's just we knew he's not playing. His dad said as much in the media that he's not playing, and so I just think it's I think it's foolish that we're that this this isn't news. It's not. It's something we we already knew. It just had not been, I guess as official as when we saw it reported i believe i saw tom green at al.com mm-hmm. he was the first person that i saw tweeted out there may have been somebody else i don't know but i just it doesn't change a thing i mean if anything it confirms to me exactly what lsu's plan is going to be which is going to be hey eight nine guys in the box beat us with your arm robbie can you and we don't know we don't know Well, I think, like you said, I think even if TJ Finley was healthy enough to go on Saturday, I still think this would be Robbie Ashford's job. I think this would still be his start on Saturday against LSU until he did something that proved he didn't need to be the starter or, God forbid, he would to get hurt. I mean, he got banged up against Missouri, and we had to see Holden Garner come in, and yep. I just don't think that's what we need right now. I know I in in a past couple of weeks I have been jokingly sort of saying that Holden Garner should just go ahead and start, but... <laughs> There, let's be real. There hasn't been a <laughs> single joke about it at all with you. But it's the been, prob- it, the- that that's what you want. And yes. To me, yeah. I think you saw on this past Saturday he's not ready, especially not behind this right. offensive line. And that's the big thing too is is he may not be a hundred percent ready. But you're also if you put him if you put Holden Garner in the game right now, 
I mean, you're throwing him to the wolves. I mean, there's just you can't ask him to do this in the SEC. I mean, you're throwing whoever you put back there to the wolves. Yeah, I agree. But uh, again, this is this goes back to the difference of Robbie Ashford and Holden Garner, where Ra- Robbie Ashford can give you some plays and make some plays with his legs and athleticism, where from what we know, Holden Garner is. And again, we don't know very much. He's very young. But he's a thrower. He throws the football. He stands in the pocket and is a good thrower. Auburn can't do that right now. Auburn is not able to have a pocket passer be successful right now. So, again, this goes back to what we've talked about, where Auburn, against LSU and against the other teams on their schedule, they now have to find a way to adjust their game plan to let Robbie Ashford get them first downs, extend plays, extend drives with his legs, or get it to somebody else who can do that because expecting him or anybody right now to stand in the pocket and throw the football to an open receiver, that's just not going to happen. I do think it's going to be very, very interesting to see who – who what what who's on the offensive line on Saturday? Who is where? Because do you expect to see adjustments? Yes, I I expect to like I think you're going to see Brandon Council at center. I think you're you're going to see Brandon Council at center. You're going to see some combination of Cam Stutz, Keandre Jones, Alec Jackson, Jackson at the two guards. I think that's the way that's going to go. I don't think you could possibly. You can't throw Jaleel Irvin back there, or you can't throw him at center in good faith for your offense. And expect it to work out the way you want it to. We've seen him, and this is, you never like to to single out a guy, but he hasn't played well in the opportunities he's had. And And I think that this is, you're starting to see some buzz about it. You've got, you've got Justin Hokinson on, on, on three. I don't know if he has this officially sourced or not, or if this is just a I think I feel thing and not an I know thing. But he said he expects Brandon Council to play at center. And I think Brandon Council is he has that experience of playing center in the past. I think he's performed better on the offensive line than Jaleel Irvin. And I expect him to start at center. I think that's that's the best thing you can do. I don't know what the unit looks like. And what the cohesion of that group is with Brandon Council at center and a shakeup at the guards. I don't know. I mean, can it get much worse is the real question. And I think, and not to talk down about Irvin and his his play to this point, but he was the third string center for a reason, right? I mean, again, I don't know him personally, not and, talking about his character, but he was third string on the depth chart at that position for a reason. Yeah, I mean, and keep in mind, after Brahms is going to miss the year, he had to retire from from football, and then you had you had Tate Johnson get hurt on Saturday. Listen to how quickly, when they mentioned Jaleel Irvin, how quickly the name Avery Jernigan popped up, how mm-hmm. quickly the name Brandon Council popped up at center. Like, there's there does not seem to be confidence in Jaleel Irvin, or really the center position in general. And so let me ask you this, because I think this is this is kind of going in an interesting way. With the with the performance of the offensive line to this point in the season for Auburn, it, it's not been good, right? I think we can all agree on that. Let me ask you this, and I'd love to hear from the listeners too, 334-321-1390. To this point, the offensive line play has not been good. 
coming into this LSU week for a full week of preparation, obviously we're on Thursday now, but in this entire week of preparation, do you think that it would have been smart for, for Brian Harson and the coaching staff to to mix up the offensive line and move different guys around and try to figure out a new system and a new group of personnel on the offensive line to mix it up? Or do you try to keep as many of those guys there as possible to build up confidence, to build up skill, and try to get them to be better later on in the season? I, I think the worst thing Auburn could do right now is just total shuffle everybody at all five spots. I think... Like when you start doing that, I think that's when you start playing with real fire. I could, because the offensive line is the one group that requires the most cohesion and communication, being able to know your assignments. Because, I mean, if if one guy's doing the wrong thing, a free runner is coming right at your quarterback's face up the middle, like we saw against Penn State, like we saw in several games this year already. You need to have guys who are on the same page. They they are familiar and comfortable with the guy next to them so they can help do the right things. Because I mean, even if even if in the run game, like if if everybody's doing the wrong thing together because they're all on the same page, they may not be doing the like you have a chance. And and it's, it's the same thing on the back end and secondary is if and you've heard Nick Saban talk about it. That's why cohesion in some of these groups like the DBs and then the the offensive line Nick Saban talked about his DBs group in the past and said, if we, are, if we run the wrong coverage, I might throw my headset, but if everybody is doing the wrong coverage together, you have a chance. If one guy is doing the wrong thing, you don't have a chance, and that's when big plays, touchdowns happen, which on the counter side, that's when free runners, four or five-yard loss or a sack happen, and, and you get behind the chains. But these are things we're already seeing, and we're seeing it with guys that are and have been playing together. Obviously, the center rotation has been uh, kind of jumbled up, but the other guys have been there, and they've played together for quite some time now, and yet we're still seeing those free runners, and we're still not seeing holes created, and we're still seeing guys get beat off the snap instantly and getting pushed back and, and just run right around. And so to that point, is it not time to say, okay, this just isn't working. This combination isn't working. And it may not even be the guys. It may just be the position that they're playing. Maybe move them to a different spot, or maybe it is time to bring in the guys behind them. Is that not something that would be realistic? I mean, I think Because that's how I see it at this point. I I get the cohesion, and I know how important that is for an offensive line to be working together as a unit. But to this point, I mean, this is not The worst thing that I think this this Auburn offense could do on the offensive line is make it where, like, okay, this guy stays. Guy next to him is new. Guy next to that guy is somebody he's never worked with. And you just you don't have any any comfortability from one guy to the guy next to him. Right. The worst thing you you can do is that. I mean, if you want to if you want to take the entire second offensive line and throw them out there, I mean, I think that's better than than just playing mix and match. I think I think that's that's where you where you run into trouble and that's what I'm saying is that you you can't do that because as bad as the offensive line has been, if you start just putting random guys who've never played next to each other and aren't comfortable with each other, it's going to get worse. I mean, that's just that's just the way offensive line works. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Really, I'm really just trying to brainstorm and trying to figure out what Auburn needs to do because if you have this type of offensive line performance from here on out, it's going to get ugly. And 
just trying to find ways to fix it and make it better because I do think that there's talent there. Obviously, they're not performing to what we need them to or what Auburn wants them to, but there's got to be a way to fix it somehow. And I just don't know where if you just continue to do the same thing over and over and over. And it, what, I mean, what's the quote, right? If you do the same thing over and over and expect different results, I mean, you're it's not going to work and you're just you're you're doomed at that point so just trying to find a way to to fix this problem because right now with the unit they're putting on the field with the schemes that they're drawing up well there is no success well let's be honest we know that we know that the unit out there on Saturday is going to be a little bit different so it's not doing the exact same thing because Tate Johnson's not there fair enough Tate Johnson can't go for the next two months basically yeah and so and maybe that little bit of a shift maybe that helps them right maybe and it may only be one person that you've got and I'm not saying it was Tate Johnson's fault I'm just saying maybe it just takes one person moving over and putting in somebody else to fix the problems I don't know but just trying to brainstorm a little bit I will say there there's there's some moments this year where it feels like the communication and the the way the offensive line has protected with the where they have slid in protection it's been confusing because there have been some free runners by the center in situations that can't happen. So maybe maybe by having the experience of Brandon Council at the middle, maybe maybe there's no blown protections. I don't know if the unit is better in terms of one-on-ones and in the run-blocking game and all that, but maybe you don't have when, – when LSU throws an exotic pressure at Auburn, which I'm sure they're going to on, on Saturday – Maybe the experience factor of having Brandon Council at the helm at center allows them to at least know, hey, we can at least get the bodies in front of the guys. Who knows if they can stay in front, but maybe that experience is helpful. Maybe so. We're going to take our first break in hour number one. We'd love to hear from you and chime in on the conversation. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. Question of the day when we come back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Question of the day here on this Thursday afternoon. As Robbie Ashford is officially QB1 this weekend in what seems to be QB1 from here on out in this 2022 season, Carter, in your mind, and we'd love to hear from you as well, 334-321-1390, what is it going to take for Robbie Ashford to be a successful starting quarterback this season and maybe even into the future at Auburn? Is it too late to run the uh, triple option? No, it's not. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) honestly, I mean, I think you you have to figure out ways to put the read option at more of a centerpiece. And I don't think that's the answer in and of itself, but I think you've, you've got to give him more chances to run the football, to put stress on the defense, horizontal stretch, get motions, jet motions. Uh, even heck, I wouldn't hate some sort of read option, triple option thing where you bring, I don't know, Malcolm Johnson Jr. Or Coy Moore and, and kind of a little orbit motion behind him, have a read option, with Tanker Jarquez, and then he's if he keeps it, 
He's on the edge, and he has the option to flip it out to his guy. I would like to see some sort of creative way to use his legs. And I think behind this offensive line, you have to move the pocket a lot. You're going to have to put him... You're going to have to scramble him out and get him away from pressure. And I think it's... it's. I think this offense, as long as Robbie Ashford's at the helm right now, until he feels more comfortable as a true passer going through his progression, which, by the way, I don't know if you saw the quote. I think I mentioned it yesterday, maybe. You have another quote from Brian Harson about Robbie Ashford, about like the things that he needs to do to improve, and he's just like, the quote is basically, I think just really playing the quarterback position, and he's your starting quarterback right now. Keesaw had the same thing back in the fall, and I thought it was weird. I was like, the fact that they're now saying that like the things he needs to get better at is actually playing quarterback doesn't exactly instill a lot of confidence. But I think as long as he's not comfortable in the pocket, going through his progression, going through his reads with his offensive line, with the pressure he's going to be under, I think you've got to roll him out, give him one, maybe a second read or a or a little check down, and then run. I think I think that's that needs to be the offense. I think that's the only way to. Uh, protect the football, protect Robbie's confidence, protect him as a quarterback, and really gives you the best chance to maybe move the ball. I don't I don't know. It's just it's not there's not a lot of confidence going into this game against an LSU team that's starting to click on defense and is really starting to show that they are a better coach team than we get than we Thought they'd be at this point after that that bizarre bizarre FSU game to start to start their season. Well, when you look at the first couple of drives on offense for Auburn against Missouri, you saw Robbie Ashford run the football. He had a rushing touchdown, and you were like, "Okay, this is sort of what we thought Robbie Ashford would be at the quarterback position." Because watching him in fall practice, throwing the football was a struggle for him. It, it, throwing it accurately, I should say, was a struggle. <laughs> Literally on that drive, he didn't throw. Didn't throw. They Not ran one time. every like, single like time. There were passing plays, but like he never got remotely close to throwing the ball. And it worked. And so, I mean, that could only work for so long. I know, but there's other ways to do that. And yes. like you're talking about, bringing guys in motion from the edge and bringing in receivers in motion and, and having multiple reads where you can either tuck it in the belly of Tank Bigsby, toss it to a Coy Moore who's running in motion from right to left. Or if it's a quarterback keeper for Robbie Ashford out on the edge with somebody like those guys blocking for you, that is where Auburn's going to have to be able to to be successful and move the football. And we saw that a little bit early on against Missouri. Now, the better teams you play, the faster they're going to be, the better they're going to be at reading that. So you're going to have to adjust that based off of what they do adjusting to you. We talked about adjusting for adjustments yesterday. But I think for Robbie Ashford to be a successful starting quarterback at Auburn this for this game, this year, and possibly into the future if he does end up being a starter here is you're going to have to give him an idea that he can actually be a quarterback and actually move the football and have the confidence to stand in the pocket or move the football because if the rest of the year goes like what we saw in the rest of the game against Missouri, Ashford's not going to have any confidence that he can actually run an offense in the SEC. Now, whether he fully can or not, the jury, I mean, the verdict's still out on that. We don't know. I mean, we're still learning whether he can successfully do that or not. But if the rest of this season is just him getting pl- like just plowed in the backfield and handing it off to Tank Bigsby for three-yard losses, his confidence will be shot, and he won't think yeah. he can be a quarterback in this league. 
I I would like to see a little more read option. I'd like to see some wide receiver screens. You know Shed Jackson can block on the edge. That's one of the that's one of the reasons why early in his career he was on the field so much. I would like to see Auburn utilize wide receiver screens, get the ball out of his hands, get him confident. But through four games with Eric Keesaw at the helm of this offense, like I don't feel confident in his ability to get creative and set Robbie Ashford and this offense up for success. He hasn't shown that. He until and and honestly, it's gotten to the point that like he doesn't deserve that benefit of the doubt until he shows that that he knows what he's doing with this personnel. And right now, I just I don't feel confident in that. And I, and the fact that they can't score in second halves with him at the help that's a problem too. I mean, it, it, this cannot be this bad. And and it's it's going back to these are the people Brian Harson wanted running his offense and and his defense because you have Smetting as well, who's also struggles in the second half. And they, I don't trust them as coaches, and I and I just don't think that they have done a good job game planning, playing to their personnel. Defense has been fine. I mean, it's been fine, but the the offense has been remarkably bad. And I don't believe in the creativity of Brian Harson or Eric Keesaw to figure out a way to make it work with the personnel they have. Look, the deck might be stacked against you, but you got to figure out a way to give those guys, those 11 on the field, the most success that you can. And right now, they can't do it. And they aren't doing it. If they have the ability, they haven't shown it. And I think that is a pretty scary thing going into the rest of the rest of this season. It's now or never. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It is now or never if this Auburn coaching staff, if they've got it up their sleeve, if they've got it in the playbook, if they've got the capability to to make this offense successful, which I would like to think that they can somehow, some way. Again, there are so many athletes and so much talent on this team You've just got to figure out a way to put all the pieces together with what you're working with. And sure, you're, you're kind of limited with the offensive line and a lot of injuries with that at the center position. That throws a lot of things off. And now you're working on a, a backup quarterback, right? You're working with all these things, but you've got to be able to put the pieces together and give yourself the best chance to score points and win football games. It's now or never against LSU. 30 minutes into hour number one. When we come back, we're going to have Caroline Fenton of Locked On LSU here on On The Line. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob, go with Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Well, earlier today, Carter and I had the chance to sit down with Caroline Fenton of Locked On LSU uh, to preview this matchup on Saturday night in the uh, second Tiger Bowl of the season for Auburn as they play LSU. Six o'clock, Jordan Harris stadium on saturday night uh we first time we talked to her she did she did great she gives great answers super sharp and uh she knows her stuff so caroline fitted of the locked on lsu podcast we sat down with her earlier today so here's that sit back and enjoy again caroline fitted locked on lsu 
We have Caroline Fenton with Locked On LSU here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Caroline, it's nice to talk to you and hear from you. The first four games of this LSU 2022 season, if you had to, to kind of summarize it for us, for people that may not have been keeping up with LSU, how would you summarize these first four games for the Tigers? If I had to say one word, I would probably use progress. And I understand that probably a majority of college football fans out there, the last time that they saw LSU was LSU's absolutely devastating, disgusting, horrific, use all the words that you want, uh, performance against Florida State, that game against Florida State, where LSU had just about every special teams issue imaginable, where the offensive line wasn't stopping any sort of pressure. Um, LSU just obviously showed a lot of the kinks that they needed to work out. And over the last three weeks, against Southern in week two, Mississippi State in week three, and New Mexico most recently in week four, I've seen LSU make adjustments, not just in personnel, not just switching up the offensive line, but I've also seen them make adjustments and very necessary changes. Because I think we saw a totally different LSU in that fourth quarter against Florida State when they started going up-tempo and going so much quicker. They've started to experiment with going up-tempo, and they've been waiting until the second half to do that. That's why you saw LSU be pretty dormant offensively against Mississippi State and then come back and score on four of seven possessions in the second half. So they started going up-tempo more and then started going up-tempo earlier. Um, Jaden Daniels has made some adjustments in staying in the pocket a little bit longer, not always deferring to his legs and sitting back and going through his progressions more. Um, this defense has really started to click. The offensive line has started to get things together. And when they finally you know, found a consistent offensive line rotation, so it's not perfect. But there's progress, and I think all LSU fans have asked since week one against Florida State is just to continue to show progress and to continue to fix some of those kinks that we saw against Florida State. So, Caroline, when you talk about progress, in your mind, what is what is the one area that you've seen this LSU team improve the most in since that FSU game that, to be honest, I mean, it was probably sloppy for, for, for a week one game on a Sunday night there. Yeah, for sure. It was definitely very sloppy. I would say that's one area that they've really improved week over week is penalties. Um, I mean, they committed so many penalties, dumb penalties against Florida State. It's such obvious targeting call um, uh, that Allie Gay um, committed and then just dumb, you know, unsportsmanlike penalty conduct, just unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, a lot of words there. Um, I've seen them clean some of those things up. And offensively, I think the protection of the quarterback has improved. You know, Jaden Daniels still has to run around a good bit, but luckily he's a quarterback that can do that. So offensively, I've seen the protection of the quarterback clean up. And also defensively, I think against Florida State, we saw the secondary really have some trouble tackling. So the tackling has improved so much, and the pressure on the court that they can put on the quarterback has improved a lot as well. We look at you know Jordan Travis, who seemed like he had all the time in the world to throw against this LSU defensive front, and then we look at Will Rogers in Week Three against Mississippi State, and LSU's defense was able to limit Mississippi State to about 300 yards total. So I see improvement there. Um, although you know there, like I mentioned, there is still a whole lot of work to do. While the secondary has improved, the secondary is dealing with a lot of injuries. We saw Jared Bernard Converse against New Mexico, who is a career corner. He had to step in the safety position because all of LSU safeties were either injured or ineligible. So th- those are kind of the things that LSU is dealing with now. Um, as they're starting to figure things out, now the injury bug is kind of starting to bite them. Um, but I would say overall, the protection of the quarterback and tackling and pressure on the quarterback and just penalties have been cleaned up a good bit since week one. 
We're speaking with Caroline Fenton with Locked On LSU here on On The Line. Caroline, we see LSU, they get their first SEC victory of the season. They're 1-0 in the conference after beating Mississippi State 31-16. How was LSU able to, to hold Mississippi State, one of the best offenses in the conference? How were they able to hold them to 16 points? It was all about getting pressure on Will Rogers. And I always, on every Friday before every, uh, every LSU game on Lockdown LSU, I highlight three ways that I think LSU can win and three ways that I think LSU could lose. And my biggest key to an LSU victory against Mississippi State was putting pressure on Will Rogers. Um, although the secondary has looked like it's been improved since week one, it's still uh, a, a group that is inexperienced together, although they have experience as their former stops. Um, a lot of the secondary is comprised of transfer portal players. They still didn't have a whole lot of chemistry together, nor against an offense as high-powered as Mississippi State. So I said, if you can get pressure up front, then those corners don't have to, you know, their job isn't as difficult. So it was all about getting pressure on Will Rogers and getting pressure on him consistently. So, Caroline, as someone who covers LSU, I know you've probably kept an eye on the other teams around the SEC West. As you've yeah. watched this Auburn team this year, what are what are some things that that have stuck out to you so far? Um, that's yes, okay. Um, the quarterback position very yes. much so is the, is the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, there's there's negative things and there's positive things. I would say the, the biggest, most obvious negative is that there's been kind of a revolving door at quarterback, and the fact that there hasn't been neither Robbie Ashford nor. TJ Finley have been able to be in there enough to really build a whole lot of chemistry and also just being a little bit irresponsible with the football. You know, you look at both of them combined with two touchdowns and six interceptions. Um, you know, you're not going to win very many games that way, but I also look at Tank Bigsby, who has been really the heartbeat of this offense. And that is the first thing that Brian Kelly mentioned in his opening remarks on his Monday press conference was we got to stop Tank Bigsby. And also this Auburn defense, I think gets buried amongst the storylines of the quarterback situation and the Brian Harson drama. But this Auburn defense is not one to scoff at. I mean, they're top five, top six in the SEC in sacks. They can get pressure on the quarterback now. And I think that is going to be a really underrated matchup in this game is this LSU offensive line who is down at starting left guard. He broke his hit, Garrett Dellinger. He broke his hand against New Mexico. So he's out against Auburn. I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup to watch is this, you know, this uh, Auburn front seven and this LSU offensive line that's kind of been shuffled throughout the season so far. We've got Caroline Fenton from Locked On LSU here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Caroline, who are a couple of players for LSU on both sides of the football that Auburn fans should be be watching out for on Saturday night in Jordan-Hare Stadium? Yeah, I think one offensively is Malik Neighbors. He is not someone that we talked to immensely about going into the season because it was Jack Besh and Kayshawn Booty were the two biggest were the two wide receivers that we talked mostly about and for obvious reasons. Uh, but Malik Neighbors has really emerged as being Jaden Daniels' favorite target. Um, and he's been really fun to watch offensively. He was also the one if you watched that Florida State game, he was the one that muffed those two punts. So it's been fun to watch him do his thing and perform so well offensively and also understanding that he had a huge setback at the beginning of the season and wasn't going to let that kind of get to him. So that's one to watch offensively and defensively is one that 
we as LSU fans haven't seen yet, and that is Joe Fouché. Um, he was academically ineligible for the first four games of the season. He transferred in from Arkansas, and some of his credits didn't transfer over. So he wasn't eligible for the first four weeks. So this will be his first game um, in an LSU uniform after transferring from Arkansas. So I'm just excited to see how he can contribute to the secondary um, and kind of see uh, Jeff Bernard Converse get back into that corner position and see how they complement each other. Caroline, on Saturday night, what are what are some matchups or some key things that you're going to be looking for for this LSU team as they tried to go on the road and get their second conference win? Yeah, like I mentioned that the Auburn defensive line against the, uh, the LSU offensive line, I think that's going to be one of the biggest keys to the game is they, it, can this game be won in the trenches? Can Auburn put enough pressure on Jaden Daniels to really give LSU's offense some trouble? That's going to be one thing um, that I'm looking for. And also this LSU defense against Auburn's run game. I would feel very confident, you know, with this LSU front four um, against, you know, stopping the passing game. Um, but the run game for Auburn is incredibly robust. You know, Tink Bigsby is is very much so that dude. So can LSU's offense stop the run? Something that they had a little bit of difficulty doing against Mississippi State, I think, because they were expecting so many pass plays. Um, so expecting more of a run game against Auburn. How can this LSU defense respond to that? So I'm I'm looking forward to see how LSU's defense can stop the run. And Caroline, when you look at the betting line for Saturday night, LSU is an eight-point favorite right now. It's kind of fluctuated a little bit over the past few days, but as of right yeah. now, it's an eight-point favorite. Does that is that convincing to you that LSU is a, over a touchdown favorite on the road at Auburn? I would take it. I would take LSU with the points, and I promise you that is not a homer take. Um, I saw an Auburn team last week that very, very easily could have lost to Mizzou. I know if you don't fumble the ball in the end zone, Auburn loses that game. And I know that we can play the, the coulda, shoulda, woulda game all day long, um, but that was not an Auburn offense that looked like it was able to put up enough points to you know, to beat this LSU team or an Auburn offense that would be able to overcome this LSU defense. Um, I, that being said, I mentioned this to y'all earlier. I understand that weird things always happen against L- in that LSU-Auburn matchup. It always is weird, and this is also an LSU team that's inexperienced with one another, and it's fairly young, and this is their first road test. This is their first true road experience, seeing as though week one was in New Orleans, and that's not really a road game, to be completely <laughs> honest with you. Um, so I think that's one kind of underrated element of this game is how does Jaden Daniels react in his first SEC environment that's not a home game? Um, how does this team react to a, a night game in Jordan-Hare? I think that those are all elements that contribute to this, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the game fairly close at half, You know, maybe like a 10-7 LSU at the half, and then LSU is able to pull away at the end of the game. But I would take LSU against the spread. Caroline, kind of moving forward with the rest of LSU's schedule after this game, you mentioned that this is the first true road test for this LSU team. And then the schedule really does get difficult from this point on. I mean, five ranked teams left on the schedule. What are what are kind of uh what are some things that you're gonna be looking for for this LSU team that maybe didn't get off to the best start against FSU as they progress into this road test at Auburn and then forward with Tennessee at Florida and Ole Miss all in a row after this one. Yeah, it is a it's a freaking bloodbath the rest of the way. And then in November you got, you know, Alabama and Texas A and M to add on top of it. So the season really starts this weekend. I know LSU already had an SEC game earlier against Mississippi State, but this is where it really gets into the kind of meat and potatoes of the SEC season. I think one thing that I'm looking for is 
obviously can players stay healthy. Uh, that was one thing that Brian Kelly really kind of gloated on in the offseason was the fact that there were some players at LSU formerly who would have to be in and out of out of uh, camp, out of, in and out of training camp because they had injuries or, you know, they got dehydrated or whatever it was. And his players, the ones that had to sit out this year, they didn't have to. They could consistently be out there at camp. So he's been really harping on uh, the conditioning of this team and the health of this team. Can they maintain that through this really difficult stretch of four or five, six games, because they're going to need it. You know, they can't be down a couple starters on the line or a couple starters on defense. They can't really afford that against teams like Ole Miss or teams like Tennessee. So that's one thing that I'm looking for. And also, I think one of my biggest themes throughout the season that I think is going to be even more important in the month of October is, are you building upon the mistakes that you made? Um, because I think the, the, the LSU team has been able to do that since Florida State. Um, you know, the special teams have improved. Um, some of the areas that looked bad have improved. So they, can they continue to do that? I don't expect LSU to win all of these games, but I do expect them to at least improve week over week and uh, start to clean up some of those, those sloppy mistakes. We're speaking with Caroline Fenton of Locked On LSU. One more question before we let you get out of here. How is the fan yeah. base feeling about Brian Kelly right now? Has the weirdness of the hire and the fit that people were questioning, has that sort of dissolved a little bit, or are they still sort of on the edge about the hire? Yes, I, there was absolutely some, some very skeptical LSU fans when Brian Kelly was hired, myself included. It just felt like a very strange fit. But I thought, look, you know what? He's one everywhere that he's gone. So maybe this is a good thing. And the way, the the state in which Coach O left this program, I mean, it was disorganized. Um, it was kind of a bleak show after Coach O left. And Brian Kelly is known to be kind of that CEO type of coach. You know, very business-like, very organized, very cleaned up and buttoned up. So I thought maybe this is what this LSU team needs. A whole lot of LSU fans became even more skeptical after that Florida State loss because we were told, hey, this is going to be the guy that comes in and cleans this program up. And against Florida State, we saw super sloppy mistakes. We didn't, we, that team looked like a very Coach O um, or Les Miles type of coach team. So we thought, is this just 10 more years of what we've already had? But I think over the last three weeks, a lot of that has dissipated. I mean, winning can heal a whole lot of bad things especially that win over Mississippi State. So I think that people are really starting to buy in a little bit more into Brian Kelly. And I think that they appreciate um, how open and honest Brian Kelly has been in his press conferences and how candid he has been about the state of this program. He mentioned in his Monday press conference, look, you know, we're going to have some really hard days over these next few weeks against Auburn, against Tennessee, against Florida, against Ole Miss. We're going to have some really tough days, but we're going to continue to get better. So I think that a lot of LSU fans are pleased to hear that. And, and I think that they feel that this program is in better hands than it has been, at least in the past few years. Well, Caroline, on this show, we like to say winning cures all. And I think that is a that's a testament no matter where you are. Right. I think I think that is definitely what LSU fans are hoping for. Auburn fans, too. But uh, maybe a little different feelings in Auburn than it is in Baton Rouge right now. Caroline Fitton of Locked On LSU. Look, we really appreciate you taking the time and doing this. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing uh, with Locked On LSU and everything else you got going on. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Caroline Fenton One. You can also check out Locked on LSU. We're on your preferred podcast platform, whatever that might be. You can also check us out on YouTube at Locked on LSU. And if you are in the national area, make sure to check me out from uh, 2 to 6 p.m. on 102.5 The Game. 
That was Caroline Fenton of Locked on LSU. Carter and I sat down with her earlier today and had that conversation. Just previewing Auburn and LSU this weekend. Uh, she did a great job, gives great answers, and really knows her stuff. And uh, she likes LSU to cover the eight-point spread this weekend against Auburn. So we'll see how it goes. We'll take our final break in this first hour. Come back, talk some Atlanta Braves. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. We'll wrap up the first hour when we come back. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control of your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problem now by calling the experts at U.S. Tax Shield and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. U.S. Tax Shield offers a price protection guaranteed quote to get you protected today. U.S. Tax Shield is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, so call now. 800-687-5192. That's 800-687-5192. U.S. Tax Shield. 800-687-5192. East Alabama Arts presents Latin Grammy-nominated Mariachi Herencia de Mexico with special guest Grammy-nominated Lupita Infante for one night of vibrant mariachi music. Honoring the past, celebrating the present, and creating the future of regional Mexican music, Mariachi Herencia de Mexico are paving the way for a new generation of mariachi performers at the Opelika Center for the Performing Arts, Wednesday, October 5th. For tickets, call 334-749-8105 or visit eastalabamaarts.org. Hey, it's Carter Bird from ESPN 1067's On the Line. Join Jack Hudden and me after every Auburn University football game this season for After the Game. Jack and I will be providing post-game analysis and taking your calls. Sound off on the Auburn game as soon as it's over. Join After the Game on ESPN 1067. Presented by Urgent Care Clinic. Open at 8 a.m. seven days a week. No appointment necessary and no wait times. Get better with urgency at Urgent Care Clinic in Auburn. the last thing I needed, a tree through the roof. Now I'm going to have to find someone to get the tree off the house and the roof fixed. I hope your insurance covers this. I do too. Do you actually know if you're fully covered? Don't wait until it's too late. After something happens to find out that you're underinsured, the Brown Insurance Agency is here to make sure that you understand your policy and that you and your family are protected. Call Lance Brown at the Brown Insurance Agency at 334-758-0088. Lance Brown is located at 3051 Frederick Road in Opelika. Who's going to win this college football weekend? We're picking you. When you enter the ESPN 1067 Football Challenge, make your picks from the slate of SEC games each week and you could win prizes from our sponsors, the Orthopedic Clinic, Buffalo Rock Pepsi, Johnny Brusco's Pizza, and Wickles Pickles. Plus, when the season's over, we'll award a grand prize package to our most proficient season-long picker. Sign up and start picking now at ESPNAU.com. ESPNAU.com. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. 
Wrapping up our number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Uh, again, big thank you to Caroline Fenton of Locked On LSU uh, for joining us and talking all things LSU football, previewing Auburn versus LSU on Saturday. We really enjoyed that. Tomorrow, we're going to have Brody Miller, who covers LSU for The Athletic. He'll be joining us on the show tomorrow at 3 o'clock, uh, talking about LSU a little bit more, giving his predictions and picks for the game on Saturday. Saturday. In the second hour today, it's Thursday afternoon. That means we're going to talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. So we'll talk to him at 3.30 today. So some great guests lined up for the show today and tomorrow. But we've got about two minutes before we get out of here for the first hour. And last night was disappointing. It was a disappointment last night in the game of baseball where the Braves the Braves lose to the Nationals 3-2. The Mets win. They come back and win against the Marlins 5-4 in the 10th inning and the Braves are now down a game in the in the in the uh, division. Yeah, the I was I was watching both games at the same time and it was Braves lose to the Nationals, man, the Nationals. Well, they were down 2 to 1 like they were what the previous night and mm-hmm. they finally found a way to, to scrap across the second run and you were just waiting for the at-bats to come. I believe it was ninth inning uh eighth or ninth inning, I forget. You get a double and then nothing the rest of the inning and it was just like that it was three straight outs i think it was a pop out a strikeout and i forget what the final out was but it was it was not what you want out of the braves to lose that game in a key 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 spot had they won and then on the flip side marlins are up four nothing Yep. Or four nothing yep. and lose that game five four and it's just like Braves losing extras, Mets winning extras, and so now instead of it being a tied uh, division coming to Atlanta, now the Braves are down a game and have to win. I mean, you've got to win two of three this weekend. I mean, that's that's what's at stake here. You've got to win two of three this weekend if yeah. you're the Braves if you want to try and make this thing happen. And it looks like the weather's going to avoid everything. So hopefully the series is played out as as usual. I haven't looked at the Atlanta weather, but. I, I'm thinking since the hurricane kind of turned up a little bit, hopefully it's going to miss Atlanta. Um, is my math correct there? I mean, you got to win two of three this weekend, right? Yeah, two of three to pull even. That's to pull not even, even. That's not even to 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 take the lead. And then you got to play. Who do the Braves have to finish the the year? I think it's Marlins. I think. I think yeah, sure they Marlins. do. They have the Marlins to end the year. So I mean, if you're the Braves, yeah, you've got to you've got to win at least two of three this weekend against the Mets, and then you've got to take care of business against the Marlins. Yeah, I don't. I mean. Last, I, last I was night was a big to, loss. I was starting to feel confident yesterday, said it on the show, and then that loss just crushed all of my hopes and dreams. Um, last and, night was that was a win you needed. If you're the Braves, you 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 needed to win last night. It looks like they've switched around the uh, Mets the Mets r- rotation. It's now Degrom Scherzer, then Bassett, not Bassett Degrom Scherzer. They know how big the series is, and they know how big it is in those first couple of games. Hour number one officially in the books. Come back. We've got a whole lot more coming up in hour number two. The following is an Auburn Network production. On the line, live on ESPN 1067, 
Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you here on ESPN 106.7 on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, Hope you're all doing well. It is sunny. It is beautiful outside yet again, and it looks like it's going to be all weekend long here in the Auburn Opelika area. Again, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. You can find it commercial-free right after the show again just search on the line or you can go to espnau.com click on the podcast center and you can find everything right there so make sure you go and do that Uh, we talked about uh, the quarterback news for Auburn we also talked to Caroline Fenton who does Locked on LSU the Locked on LSU podcast we talked to her about this upcoming game on Saturday and some Atlanta Brave stuff so if you missed any of that be sure to go and find the podcast after the show commercial free but here in hour number two we've got making headlines we'll go over question of the day and then at 3 30 we're going to talk to Chris Gordy who is the host of the Locked on SEC podcast like we always do on on Thursday afternoons we'd love for you to call in be a part of the show be on the line 334-321-1390 what's on your mind how are you feeling about the game on Saturday are you confident that Auburn can get it going and, and score some points and try to beat LSU to go to four and one before heading to Athens or are you just not feeling it for Auburn this weekend we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 as we get into making headlines here on Thursday September 29th 2000 22 isn't that crazy we're almost in october yeah yeah, we're almost in october that's wild to me yeah i guess i guess the whole the whole brian harson hot seat thing normally hot seats don't get this hot until later in the year so like in some aspects it feels like we're really far along but then other aspects it feels like we just started the uh the fall because we're only four games into yeah, this. Yeah, you're not you're not really supposed season. to be doubting your team in, in at the end of September and doubting the future of the program, but here we are. Welcome to Auburn, right? That's just kind of how it goes sometimes. But oh, yeah. as we get into making headlines here on Thursday, September 29th, 2022, the news is TJ Finley is officially out against LSU. We saw the depth chart earlier this week, and it was Robbie Ashford as QB1 with TJ Finley or Holden Garner as QB2. But Finley is not going to play against LSU on Saturday. It will be Robbie Ashford's job. Uh, and if he is unable to uh, perform or, uh, God forbid, gets hurt, anything like that, his backup will be holding Garner on Saturday against LSU. Carter, it's it's news that he's not playing, but it's not really news to us that he wasn't going to be the starter because Robbie was going to start anyway. I mean, there's a 0% shot that I thought TJ Finley was going to start this game and probably a 5% chance or less that he even got in the game at any point, and this is just confirmation that that's not going to happen. I'm not surprised, I'm not shocked, based on the comments made by his dad in the media, his dad on Locked On Auburn last week. I just, I don't, I also just, I have a hard time seeing um, 
there. I seeing you put TJ Finley out there just with the way that the Finley family kind of handled everything last week. It was not exactly a PR masterpiece by any uh any in any respect, any by any perspective, it was uh very interesting how they handled last week. To this point in the season, is there any way to answer the question of who has been better at quarterback, TJ Finley or Robbie Ashford? I mean, can we truly answer that question right now? I mean, I think it's TJ Finley. Not by much. Um I think both have been bad. I think you can go around the conference and you probably pick 12 quarterback uh, situations over what Auburn has right now. 11 or 12 at least. Right. I haven't, I haven't kept up super, super well with what's going on at Vanderbilt. Brady Cook's pretty bad at Missouri. <laughs> I just Outside think of that, everybody else like... I would take what's going on there other than what's going on at Auburn. I just think the, the, the offense at Auburn right now is just it's sputtering and it's so chaotic and, and nobody really knows where points are coming from. And we've seen a couple of games with TJ Finley. We've now seen a game under Robbie Ashford. We're going to see another one on Saturday as he plays LSU. So uh, we're going to find out where this quarterback room – well, we know where it is. We're going to find out if it's gotten any better from last week to this week. And so, uh, again, the news, T.J. Finley is officially out against LSU. It will be Robbie Ashford and Holden Garner as his backup if something were to happen. But as we move through making headlines here on Thursday, September 29th, 2022, last night the Braves lose to the to, – um, they lose – why, I just went blank. They lose to the Nationals. I just went, I had a huge blank right there. Braves lose to the Nationals 3-2 in the 10th, and the Mets beat the Marlins in 10 innings, and the Braves, it was tied last night. They drop a game that they desperately needed, and now they're a game back to the Mets before welcoming in New York to Atlanta Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, no, it's a it's a big, big, big series. It's going to determine who gets that, that first-round bye in the postseason and who has to play a... Uh, a three-game set, what, against is – it, is it against the Padres? I think it is against the Padres. Who wants to play the Padres um, in a three-game set to then go face off with the uh, Dodgers in the second in the second round? So there's a lot on the line here. You would rather get that first round by. You would rather get home field for the second round. Uh, and then you would rather face – I'd rather face the Phillies – or the Cardinals right now than the Padres and then potentially the uh, Dodgers. And I think that these next three games are the... This is what it all came down to. 162-game season, these three games are going to decide which team gets that by, which team gets gets the advantage in the second round of playing the majority of the games at home. And yeah, I mean, it couldn't be, the stakes couldn't be higher this weekend. And which team gets to celebrate winning the National League East? To the Braves, are, are they able to do it again? Now, there is a series after this, but yes. this is the series that we, I have I been mean, saying. If, if, if the Braves drop two out of three, the Mets then, will win. Then it's basically over. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like the Mets would have to get swept in the final series. I don't see that happening. And the Braves would have to basically sweep. Um, I, I think that if the Braves can win two out of three or if they can figure out a way to sweep. That'd be nice. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Then, well, then you're sitting there in a, in a situation where the Braves are in a prime spot going into the postseason. The Mets finished the season at home against the Nationals. So if you're the Braves, you've got to try and win this series at home. You, you have to win this series at home. And, and for months now, 
we've been saying that this was the series it was going to come down to for the Braves is the three-game stretch at home against the Mets and we mentioned it to end our number one we've seen the New York Mets they've realized how big this series is on the road they've switched up their pitching order a little bit Friday night they moved DeGrom up to the Friday night start Scherzer on Saturday and now Bassett on Sunday so if you're the Braves I mean you're going up against two of the best in baseball back-to-back nights Set the tone. Win game one against what is the best pitcher on this planet, maybe of all time, when he's healthy. Go get one against DeGrom. And boy, that would set a heck of a tone going through through the whole series, going through the last six games of the year. And you've got your guy. You've got your guy on the mound with Freed. I mean, you feel good with him going back and forth with DeGrom. It's can the bats wake up for the Braves? We saw them we saw them they've scored some runs in the last couple of games, but they, they just went quiet night. last night. I mean, I, right. I think you can chalk that up as I mean that that happens sometimes. I've played on some teams where we hit 10, 15 hard balls and they always went right at people and you're just like you get beat eight nothing and it's like I mean if all of these were two feet to the right or to the left, you're sitting here in a tight game late in the game. I mean, I just, that's kind of luck of the uh, draw sometimes. I just think that this this team this team needs to get to to win this series at all costs. I don't really care how they do it; just figure out a way. But uh, but I am encouraged by by some of these other pieces and the rotation and everything that have that have stepped up, like Bryce Elder. We saw earlier. Uh, in that last series against the Nationals, throwing the complete game shutout, mm-hmm. first one by a by a Braves rookie since I believe 1990. I think it's the first complete game by a Braves team this season. Uh, so the fact that you've got him with four straight quality starts, you you feel good about the the way some of these pieces are stepping up. You see Matt Olson getting back on track. You see uh, Marcelo Zuna getting hot a little bit, and starting to see these guys all start to heat up as as October approaches. That's exactly when you want to be playing your best ball, and this Braves team is close to being exactly in the spot you want them to be in. Three-game series against the Mets, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And reminder, you can catch all three of those games here on ESPN 106.7. You can catch the ESPN national broadcast, again, right here on ESPN 106.7, Friday, Saturday, and on Sunday. You can catch it Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night as the Braves and the Mets are going at it trying to win the NL East. Uh, We have all three of those games this weekend here on the station. We've got Alabama-Arkansas on Saturday afternoon, then the Braves and Mets. Then we have, after the game, after Auburn and LSU football wrap-up with our own Carter Bird and Jack Hutton. And then on Sunday, there's an NFL game with the Titans and the Colts. And then after that, it's the series finale of the Braves and the Mets. So all of that is going on this weekend here on ESPN 106.7. So it's a very, very busy weekend for live events here on the station. Plus, tomorrow night, we have high school football. We've got two games. Our game, Lee Scott Academy versus Altaga Academy. It's over at, at home at Lee Scott Academy for homecoming. Carter and I will be on the call at 6.30 on AU100. That's 100.3, home of the Lee Scott Sports Network. Broadcast time at 6.30, kickoff at 7 as the undefeated Warriors are going to win, trying to win another region game. And then over on Wings 94-3, we have Auburn High and Opelika. Huge, huge matchup here in the area and in the state. 
Broadcast time at 6.30, kickoff at 7. Again, that's on Wings 94.3 on the Auburn High School Sports Network with Scott Bagwell, Rob Pate, and Jack Hutton. So busy, busy sports weekend from Auburn Networks and all of our family of stations. So make sure you're tuning in for all of those this weekend. But as we move in to some more headlines here on this Thursday afternoon, we've got Thursday night football. It's the Dolphins and the Bengals tonight. I know we don't usually get into a ton of NFL, but this is an interesting matchup because the Dolphins are 3 and but yet they're underdogs by three and a half points on the road at a one and two Cincinnati team who by the way they're wearing their white jerseys with the white helmets and the Bengal stripe they look so clean man oh yeah I mean anytime you can pull off an all white jersey it's gonna look really really good I mean I come back to in college football there's not a team that would be able to to touch anybody as far as not coolest jerseys in the country if Oklahoma went white helmet with a single red stripe, that white jersey that says Sooners in red letter and white pants. I just think that that's as clean of a look as it could be, and I'm just um, – and I'm a fan of any team that can go all white with their jerseys and pull it off well. When you try to mess around – what OU has with their daggum cream the jerseys, cream, yeah. it looks so bad. Yeah, they're this not is, good. They're not this pretty. isn't baseball, guys. Yeah, like, they're not pretty. Do it, do it the right way. Well, but. tonight on the field, you've got you've got Tua Tagovailoa and Joe Burrow going at it. You know, the last time they took the field together, right? That 2019 Alabama-LSU game yeah. where they both went nuts. And they went Joe stupid. Burrow got the win. In Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I remember the uh, the uh, president was there for that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember that. Pre- president <laughs> Trump was there, that. and so students yeah. that normally would have to go get into the stadium two hours early had to get into the stadium like three and a half hours early, and it was like... All this added security, and I just remember seeing all these Alabama fans complain about it on, on, on social media. Yeah, that was a huge game where both teams just went back and forth. It was it, That was a great game, 2019 LSU and Alabama. I mean, that was fantastic. So this what the Bengals are wearing, um, this is what our good friend uh, Jack Hutton wishes oh, for. Oh, yes. The, the Tiger his, Stripes. He wants Auburn to wear that at some point, and I just – Think that's a horrible idea? <laughs> I would put my life that that never happens. I mean, yes, you're gonna have orange jerseys with orange helmets and orange pants before you get Bengals hand-me-downs. I mean, yeah, he he wants it. It's not gonna happen. But uh, again, tonight Thursday night football, and it's on Amazon. Have you been watching the games that are on Amazon now? I have been. I've been watching it on the uh, what's the the next gen broadcast? Uh-huh. It's like the all twenty two footage, and they like. They track all of the, the the receivers on their routes, and they give you stats on the side. I it's think, really cool. I think that's that's cool. I've I've been watching it that way these these last few weeks, and I I plan to to do it again tonight. Yeah, and the the broadcasting crew of Al Michaels, who used to be on NBC Sunday Night Football, and Kirk Herbstreit, who does college football on Saturday Night College Game Day. It's been a pretty good pairing. I, you know, like it was weird because they've done two separate things and they've done their own thing for so long, but they've come together and they actually do a pretty good job. And yeah, I, I think it's a good broadcast. I think it looks clean. It sounds good. Um, that's just part of all of these broadcasters going all the different ways. Of course, Monday Night Football is Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, who used to be on Fox. Now they're on ESPN doing Monday Night Football. I mean, everybody's just kind of moving around, man. Yeah, man. It's it's been very different seeing. You have you have these broadcast teams that one have felt so connected and just cemented together, and then they're also have felt so cemented with certain brands. So mm-hmm. seeing Buck and Aikman on ESPN doing Monday Night Football, it's a it's an adjustment. 
seeing seeing Collinsworth with Tariko now. It's different. We've I don't know if he stopped doing it. I know he didn't do it in week one, <laughs> but he's not doing the uh, Collinsworth slide. The in, famous slide. And, and yeah. Like, come on. That that was that was everybody's favorite thing about Sunday night football, just because it felt like there was a weird amount of games that were just Weird, weird, weird blowouts or low-scoring, boring games. And those two on, gentlemen on carried the broadcast. God. Carried it. Yeah, because anytime the Broncos play football, it's like watching Iowa play college football. Yeah, it's There's pretty no bad. no offense. They're awful. They find weird ways to win, and it's just it's incompetence from the coaching staff and on offense. Yeah, well, broadcasters are moving all over the place. You've got guys from different networks now coming together. It's all crazy. But Thursday night football, Dolphins and Bengals. Uh, Dolphins are... Three and a half point dogs on the road. I don't understand that. I think they're playing really well. They're undefeated. I like them tonight. Um, we'll see how the game goes. Really, really looking forward to that. And that's pretty much all we got in making headlines here today on Thursday, September 29th, 2022. When we come back, we're going to have our question of the day. Then at 3.30, it's Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Come in and join us. 334-321-1390. Question of the day when we come back. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Carter, earlier you had some uh, some interesting betting odds for who Auburn's next head football coach are going to be. And I want to disregard our question and go straight to that because there were some interesting odds and names on there. Now, reminder, these are odds of what people have put their money on. Doesn't mean this well, is no, where I it's going to go. I don't go. even think it's, it's an official thing that you can bet on, but gambling.com has odds and they're significantly flawed when you just look at them right now but i mean odds are set by what people put their money on so this well, is I where mean, you, you you set the the initial odds i don't i don't think that i mean it even says there's a disclaimer at the at the bottom that these are for entertainment purposes only oh, and are okay. not odds well, offered on betting apps or betting sites well for fun then who are some of the names that are on this list because there were some there were some some interesting ones well at the top is a name that we've all heard a lot about these last, what, four, three, four years in the SEC. Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze at plus 100, according to uh, this gambling.com line. It's been a popular that's been a popular pick plus for a lot of Auburn fans. Plus 100 is even money. That's yeah. crazy. That's, no, that's not happening. But that's been a lot of people have been calling for Hugh Freeze to be Auburn's coach for, for years. Even like when, when Malzahn was on the way out, people wanted Hugh Freeze to be his replacement. And then the second name is when I just, when I saw it, I was like, okay, it's time to take this entire list with a grain of salt. The second name is Stoops, but not that Stoops. But not the Stoops it's you're thinking of. It's not Mark Stoops. <laughs> They've got Mike Stoops at plus 150, which if you don't know, I'm pretty sure Mike Stoops. Mike Stoops is FAU, I believe, as like the defensive coordinator. I mean, he's not – where is he? Is he actually – I think he's coaching – Inside linebackers at Kentucky. Okay, so he's now moved from Florida Atlantic, where he was the the DC last year, and is no longer the DC there. Um, yeah, no, Mike Stoops is not being considered that's, for the Auburn. That's job. not going to happen. His brother Mark is. So maybe maybe Mike comes with Mark, but but I just laugh at the fact that they have the wrong Stoops. That is really mentioned funny. in this betting odds. When you look at Mark Stoops, though. 
I just don't, I just can't get myself to believe that he would leave and that he would come I, here. I, I can absolutely believe that right now. From one, you can't win championships at Kentucky. Two, we, we saw the rift. We saw the public rift. It's only worse behind the scenes in that athletic department between Calipari, that athletic director, and Mark Stoops. Because you saw Calipari, which he's right. He's he's 100% right. There's no reason there's no reason to 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 say it out loud though. But when Calipari said that he's happy for with the football team, they can win however many games they want, but this is basketball school and basketball takes precedence. We all know we all know Calipari's right, but you can't say that as the head basketball coach. You don't you don't need to put another program at your school down you need to go the Bruce Pearl approach and say we're an everything school like football being good helps my basketball program we're gonna send my our- basketball program being good helps this football program we're gonna send our basketball players to the volleyball games and try to get students exactly. to go they did that last exactly. night exactly who yes. won by the way they're undefeated in the SEC and still undefeated on the season Auburn volleyball is one of four teams in the country yeah. that are that are undefeated right now head coach Brent Crouch is unbelievable and they have he, what, he's I, a th- great I, think I think there's six freshmen starting on mm-hmm. that team right now yeah they are but, unbelievably good but and he's a great coach when you when you start doing that and then you i've heard kentucky sports radio talk about how there is a significantly rougher uh rift between stoops and the athletic director than calipari and the and the athletic director there's enough momentum there there's enough of a fracture in that foundation then I think I think Mark Stoops would leave. Well, let's just be honest. When you go to Lexington, or when you go to the state of Kentucky outside of the city of Louisville, everybody wears blue and white. And everybody that wears blue and white, they care about Kentucky basketball. It doesn't matter how good Kentucky football is. Sure, they'll support it when they're good, but they don't actually care about Kentucky football. They just, And if they tell you that... They either went to Kentucky or played at Kentucky, and that's it because they are Kentucky basketball fans through and through, and they'll tell you that. The difference in football and basketball in that state is six months out from from their respective seasons, Kentucky fans have tickets to the Final Four, but they don't have tickets to the college football playoff. Right. And while in recent times here – the football team's been out playing the basketball team. They don't care. Nope. The expectations are in basketball. The, the the history, the success is with basketball. It's not with football. F- football is is the cherry on top of the sundae. It's the added gravy. It's it's nothing. I mean, it's great. They they're excited about it, yep. but it's not the driving force of of the sports narrative and sports world in the state of Kentucky. That's exactly right. And I right. think that's why, if you're Mark Stoops, you're willing to leave. Next up, tied with him at plus 150, everybody's favorite, the Lane Train, Lane Kiffin, which I love that one. Another popular name that a lot of Auburn fans have been spitting around for a while. And he wants that Auburn job. Does he? He he wanted it last time. I think he wanted it again. I'm just telling you, I think he wants the Auburn Would he fit at Auburn, though? Would Lane Kiffin be a good fit with everything going on in your mind, would he? I, I frankly I don't care what he does. I don't care what he does. He he just needs to win games. He needs to dominate the transfer portal. If we look, if we just look for the same cookie cutter Auburn man every time that a hire is made. But I don't you're, think you're, they, you're, they you're, didn't can't, do that you're canceling with Hartson, ha- to, 
I mean, Auburn, well, well, Hartson is not a hang he on, wasn't hang on, an hang Auburn on. man. They didn't go out and get an Auburn man. They found a dude in Boise, Idaho. I, I, I'm not saying Harson, but but if you want to talk about culture fit, yeah, Harson's a bad fit. But Harson also like that's a bad hire by an athletic director who's not currently your athletic director. And that's at least a not portion anymore. of why he's not your athletic director right now. Yeah. But next up on the list, love it. Plus 200. I already Dion know. Dion Sanders. Also, Jeff Grimes next at plus 700 is way too low. He has much better odds to be that. To be I think the he has potential to be the next they coach. They also have yeah. Kevin Steele on there, which is puzzling. Will Muschamp, which is puzzling. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Urban Myers, Urban Myers on there. Skip Holtz, who what? Just took the... Birmingham Stallions to the USFL Championship? No, that's not happening. Uh, Brian Harson has the 10th best odds, and he currently sits at, in the head coach chair in the head coach's office here at Auburn. I think that's pretty uh, That's pretty telling about what's he going on He has slightly better here. odds than Jeff Fisher. Also, for fun, Ed Ogeron, plus 50,000. <laughs> Go Tigers, right? And, and Bobby Petrino, plus 5,000. Those that, are awesome. <laughs> that's it. We're done. <laughs> we're, we're done with that list. That's abysmal. We're going to have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked SEC podcast, when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Well, as always here on Thursday afternoons, we've got Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us on the show. Chris, happy Thursday, man. We first want to uh, unfortunately get your thoughts on what you think about Auburn as they beat Missouri last weekend, 17-14 in overtime. Uh, can we get your can we get your breakdown of it, but maybe not hurt our feelings too bad? Yeah, I think uh, beat Missouri is is uh, not the right way to put it. Uh, <laughs> you earned you earned you earned a, a win in the win column. Yes. But I don't know if you really beat anybody. Uh, that's as ugly a game as I've seen. I, mean, I've, Agreed. I was joking that on, on Sunday morning I was calling the SEC Network and asking them to please burn that film and never air it again for anybody's eyes. Uh, what was it, 12 punts, I think, at one point? 12 I mean, in a row. Just, yeah, it was awful. Yeah, it, it was It was just – it was not – I mean, it, it's like that's, that's not good football. And it wasn't like it – you know, like it's different guys. When I go back to – you remember the game of the century and – 2011 when LSU played Alabama and it was nine you know, six or something. Was, like, it was like nine six. Yeah, 13, 13 to ten. Yeah, whatever it was. Like it was like the great, but it was great defensive players. It's all guys that are in the NFL <laughs> now. You know, like uh, uh, you know Tyron Matthew Peterson. and all these different players. Uh, but that on on Saturday was bad offense and you know not great defense. So it was kind of a, a mixture of both, but. Um, yeah, look, I mean, you overcome adversity. You, you, you find a way to win a game. Um, Mizzou misses a chip shot field goal. If Nathaniel Pete's foot goes out at the one there, it's a first and goal. They're punching it and winning it in overtime. But you survived. You found a way to win. And now you kind of hit the reset button. The, the problem that people make in this conference, uh, or, you know, like they, they come to decisions very easily. Like if you pay, play poorly one week, everybody – and their brother jumps on the bandwagon of, oh, that team's going to play poorly the rest of the season. Uh, you know, I even I did a hit on in Arkansas earlier this week, and and I had I was listening to 
as I was waiting on hold, there were Arkansas fans going, I mean, this team will be lucky to go six and six. I'm going, wait a minute. Like, it's still a really good Arkansas team. Like, yeah, they lost a heartbreaker to A&M because they made some mistakes, but it doesn't mean A&M's not going to go out there and give Alabama their best fight this weekend. And I say the same thing for Auburn. Like, is LSU favoring the game? Sure. Has LSU looked a little bit better in recent weeks, you know, both offensively and defensively? Yes. But it doesn't mean that Jordan Hare can't be rocking on Saturday night and force LSU to make some, some mistakes. And, you know, Tank Bigsby gets going on the ground game and they find a way to win the game. Um, in the SEC, you're not, it's not about really trying to impress people. I mean, your schedule's already hard enough. Just go win, baby. That's all you got to do. Find a way to win and, you know, win in advance. That's, that's all you got to do. And so, um, I sell that to say, yeah, this line is crazy that it keeps moving up, up and up and, you know, the boo birds are getting louder for Brian Harson and you know, you got AJ McCarron going on a podcast saying, I already heard he's been he's already been fired. They're just waiting till the end of the season. It's just like, man, like there's so much noise out there and it's incumbent on Brian Harson to internalize everything and, and keep those guys focused on the mission at hand. That's going out win games and I, I've been saying it all week. If Brian Harson goes seven and five or even eight and four this season, he's not getting fired. You're not firing a guy who who, who has a, a winning season like that. So um yeah, look, it, nobody's fate's been decided, but look, if they go out there and lay an egg this weekend, LSU wins big. Yeah, I mean, it, then then it's back to, yes, Auburn stinks, and Carson's probably a dead man walking. Chris, uh, those 12 punts, I believe they were they were sandwiched by a missed field goal and a turnover on downs as well, just to make that a little bit worse. But the, the, <laughs> the uh, Auburn offense looked okay, I guess, through the first two drives. You had... About eighty-three yeah. of your of your two hundred and seventeen total yards there, but then after that, it just there was nothing. What does Auburn need to do to get rolling to show some sign of life on the offensive side of the ball? They got to, in my opinion, I would try to go more horizontal. Um, you know, turn it around and hand the ball up to Tank Bigsby and let them run up in the A gap or the B gap. That's Teams are ready for that. I mean, if Mizzou can shut it down, LSU's got some dudes on this defense. Like they're going to shut that down. So I almost like I almost think you got to get out in space. You know, I mean, run some pitch plays out to tank. You know, pitch left, pitch right. Uh, Jarquez Hunter, get him out on some wheel routes. Get these guys out in space more uh, instead of playing in a phone booth because. Ashford, you know, when he gets out in, you know, when he's able to, to run in space, he can be effective. But when, you know, the opposing defense is expecting him to run because he can't throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if I'm LSU, I'm playing everybody near the line of scrimmage. Like if I'm Auburn, I almost think about maybe taking a shot down the field early in this game to make LSU have to back off and respect it because, uh, you know, look, Coy, Coy Moore's kind of come on a little bit. He had a nice game this past week. He's a guy who's going to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder this week playing against his former team at LSU. So, uh, you know, I almost wonder if you get him going. But Shedrick Jackson, man, where, you know, what what happened with him? Uh, you know, I, I really thought he was poised for a big season this year, and he's been slow to get going. Uh, Shanker's been really good. But, um, you know, I, I almost think you have to do that and make LSU respect you. Because, man, if you come out and you're like, oh, we're going to hand it off to Tank Bigsby, and you're on your third center, by the way, a guy who's not mm-hmm. even – uh, supposed to be a center, uh, you just you, you're facing so many different problems here. But look, I think I think Robbie Ashford can run and 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 uh, do some things with his running ability because we saw Florida State did that to LSU Week One. Uh, Jordan Travis, I believe, was the name, the quarterback at Florida State, and 
he was able to move the chains with his legs. But it's got to start with keeping drives alive, guys. Like, that's the biggest problem when we look back at last week. And how many times was Auburn three and out or four and out? Like, get first downs first. Baby steps that are going to lead to longer sustained drives as opposed to three and out, three and out, four and out. We're punting. Like, no, you've got to move the chains. You've got to find ways to consistently move the ball. We're speaking with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast here on On The Line. Chris, what can Auburn expect from LSU this weekend on offense and on defense when they come to Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday? Well, this is a team that's kind of gotten better week in and week out, and and it's hard to take much away from the game last week because it was a bad New Mexico team that they played, but that was as dominant of a defensive performance as we've seen out of LSU. Like, it's so funny, when you play the, the crappy teams, you know, you always want to act like, oh, well, you were supposed to do that anyway. But go look around this league at how many teams are losing to, you know, App State comes in and beats A&M. They were supposed to roll them. Kent State found themselves hanging around with Georgia for four quarters. And everybody's like, what, what in the world is that? And so when you're LSU and you go dominate New Mexico 38 to nothing, and I believe uh, held them to just, uh, I want to say, two first downs the entire game, something like that, like, no, man, like you, you got to tip your cap and say that was a pretty damn impressive performance. And you combine that with what LSU did the week before, holding uh, Will Rogers to like 214 yards passing. Will Rogers bounces back this week, gets Bowling Green, throws for six touchdowns and, and a million yards. So uh, Matt House is doing something right with that defense at LSU. And, and they had a couple guys banged up who didn't even play last week. They get Jay Ward back, who is their star safety. They also get you, Joe Fouché back this week who was a really good uh, safety at Arkansas, who uh, you know transferred with, uh, with Greg Brooks this offseason to, to LSU. He was academically ineligible the first few weeks, but Joe Fouché has just been clear. He's ready to play in this game. And by the way, a fun stat on Joe Fouché, he is 0-4 in his Auburn career. Uh, he played the first four years at Arkansas and lost to Auburn every time. So he's coming in with a little bit of chip on his shoulder. He wants to try to beat, beat Auburn for the first time. But, uh, no, I, I think this is a defense that's playing really well. B.J. Ojolari up front, and Ali uh, uh, Gay is, is back in there. He's doing his thing, and they're going to make it hard. They're going to make it hard on Auburn. I mean, I think Auburn's got to get back to finding Tank Bigsby some running room. I mean, it's not since Mercer, it feels like, that he's really been able to go off and, and find you know some good, running, uh, some good running lanes. I think Auburn's got to find a way to get him and make him effective. But, man, it is going to be very hard because this LSU defense is very stingy. I want to say in most defensive categories, they're only behind Georgia and Alabama in terms of uh, you know offensive yards given up and, and, and that sort of thing. So they're very stingy offensively. Jaden Daniels is a guy who's been kind of getting better week in and week out, starting to show off his arm a little bit more, his throwing ability. He was a good passer at Arizona State, but he's also a really good runner. He uses that running ability, uh, you know, much like Robbie Ashford. So it's going to be interesting to see what both defenses do. You know, do they both employ a spy and say, just go follow that guy and tackle him whenever he takes off and runs? Uh, we'll be interesting to see that. LSU's run game has been pretty good. Like the, the run game numbers total look really good because that's combining Jaden Daniels' run, rushing attempts. But if you take those away, the, the backfield has just kind of been okay with uh, Goodwin and, and um, uh, John Emery's gotten back in there and, Noah Kane had a nice game last week. So they're still kind of trying to find their, their footing on who the featured back is going to be in the backfield. But their receivers have really come on. I mean, uh, Keishon Boutte isn't even really the featured receiver of this offense. Malik Neighbors has kind of been that guy all season. 
Uh, they got Jack Besh involved more this past week, so they got some really good weapons at wide receiver. But uh, no, I mean, look, it, this is a this has been a, a tough rivalry for a we- reason. Jordan Hare at night is is always a special place to play in, and you know we can look at we can run through the stats all day, guys. But you know if LSU goes in there and fumbles the first snap, or you know Jaden Daniels has zero interceptions on the season, guess what? That's going to break eventually. Is this the game where he throws a big pick? Uh, you know, maybe even a pick six that gets Auburn on the board and gets that stadium rocking. Suddenly, it's a close ball game. Um, you know, this this has been a fun rivalry throughout the years, and there's it always seems like even when LSU's down or Auburn's down, a lot of times this game is close. Um, you know, and, and we're all sitting there going, "Why is this game so close?" Uh, it's just because it's a, it's a rivalry game like that. Yeah, Chris, I I agree with you that Auburn has to get something going on on the ground. I think last week. Tank Bigsby had 44 yards, and Jarquez Hunter had 13 yards, and they had 62 and 17 yards after contact, which is a brutal stat. And after the first quarter, I think Auburn ran the ball 28 times the rest of the game for 11 yards for .39 yards per carry, which is pretty brutal. Uh, But as we look at this game on Saturday, what is your prediction for this Battle of the Tigers on the Plains in Jordan-Hare Stadium under under the lights? Well, that's what I was, that's what I was saying. Like, I, I think I think if, if both teams come in and they don't turn the ball over and they take care of the football and all that, I think LSU is going to win. Uh, I think if Auburn's going to win this game, they've got to force LSU into some mistakes. It's got to be, you know, fumble on a punt return, which LSU had a couple of those in, in the first week of the season. Uh, it's got to be a, a, an interception, which Jaden Daniels hasn't thrown one all season. It's got to uh, – Auburn's going to have to force LSU into some mistakes and that's how they'll find themselves in a close ball game. But, um, again, it, it's hard for me to envision that because I've seen an LSU team that's getting better each week and an Auburn team that, like I said, has just kind of it, it has been stumbling since that. You know, even – let's be real, guys. If we're being real, the Mercer and San Jose State games weren't all that impressive. The Mercer game, you had the rain delay and all that, but even the San Jose State game it was, clo- you know, closer than it should have been. And – um, you know, part of that was Finley and being inconsistent as a passer, at least now with Ashford, you know, he's the guy, but you know, I, I look back at it two of the first four weeks of the season, Robbie Ashford's been your leading rusher and both those performances were 60 yards and 46 yards. So it's like tank Bigsby's got to be that guy. I, I know they, they kind of force fed him last week and the running lanes were hard to come by, but uh, you know, it's almost guys, it's easier if you're an Auburn fan to stomach a loss and say, well, look, man, we gave tank the ball 22 times and we lost. I can stomach that as opposed to, you know, you lose a game where he barely touches the ball. That's that's where I say, like, look, I put the ball in my best playmaker's hands and we weren't able to do anything with it. That's an easier way to lose a game than say, you know, we didn't even, we didn't even try to get him the ball. But I just spent Harson and staff to let it all hang out, man. I mean, Keysaw at this point, what do you have to, to lose? Let's throw up some trick plays, run a little razzle-dazzle and try to catch LSU, you know, fake punt, whatever you got to do to try to make this a game. But right. I think the fans are going to bring it. If the fans show up and show out and they're loud, then uh, they will give it Auburn a chance in this one. But I'm picking LSU to win it. Some, something like a 27-17 type game, kind of low scoring. But I keep looking at that LSU nine-point spread. I keep saying, man, Vegas always knows something there. So maybe they win by 10, 27-17, something like that. 
Yeah, Vegas Vegas is pretty good at what they do. I mean, they have some fancy-looking buildings out there, right? Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Before we let you go, there's a couple of games in the SEC this weekend that are big ones. Number 7, Kentucky at number 14, Ole Miss. Number 2, Alabama at number 20, Arkansas. And number 17, Texas A&M at Mississippi State. Uh, d- quickly here, before we let you go, what, what are you thinking about those matchups in the Southeastern Conference? Yeah, so Mississippi State is a is a home favorite for a reason. I think they're going to beat A and M, even though A and M top twenty, and they've beaten back to back ranked teams in Miami and Arkansas. Yet Mississippi State's unranked, and they're the home favorite. I think uh, I think Jimbo's team finally lack of quarterback, lack of offense catches up to him, and Will Rogers throws for a million yards and a million touchdowns, and Mississippi State wins at home. The other two teams, I'm putting on upset alert. I think Ole Miss is in trouble if Chris Rodriguez is back healthy for Kentucky. And that, is, that lets Will Levis and that Kentucky offense be more balanced. I think Kentucky goes into Oxford and wins. Keep in mind, that's an 11 a.m. game. It's not a night game uh, where the Grove could be rocking and, and, and Vaughn Hemingway could be really loud. I think it's a little bit sleepy. That's why Lane Kiffin made the comments this week, taking a shot at the fans. I think Kentucky wins this one at Ole Miss if Chris Rodriguez gets going. And don't sleep on Arkansas. Everybody is assuming because they lost to A&M that they're done. They gave Alabama a game last year, only lost by seven in Tuscaloosa last year. Now they're in Fayetteville, and Alabama, look at where how they struggled last year and this year as a true road team. They played too close for comfort at Austin a few weeks ago. They, they should have lost at, at, at Auburn last year. They should have lost at, at, uh, in Gainesville. I mean, this team struggles on the road with Bryce Young and Alabama for whatever reason. And so I've called, I called it in the offseason, guys. I called it as one of my upsets. i got to stick with it. I think Arkansas beats Alabama this weekend. So there you go. That's our picks, and uh, let's see what happens. <laughs> well, Chris, you, you've, uh, you've built a little trust again in the Auburn fans picking Arkansas to beat Alabama. But, <laughs> hey, man, we appreciate you coming on as always. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and, and uh, Locked On SEC, man. Yeah, just wherever you find your podcast, just search Locked On SEC. we got the video version up on YouTube, so you can watch the video version of the show. And, uh, Next week, guys, we'll be throwing around candidates on who the next Auburn coach will be. I'll talk to you then. (laughs) He drops a bomb on the way out. That's Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast as we're wrapping up this Thursday edition of On the Line. Come back. We'll give our final thoughts as we get out of here. It'll be the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck from 4 to 6. Don't forget that. We'll wrap up the Thursday edition of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Go with Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Reminder, it'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck right here on ESPN 106.7 from 4 to 6 as soon as we are done. So don't turn the radio. Uh, make sure you stay tuned for when they hop on the air and give their thoughts on everything going on as they'll be talking Auburn and LSU coming up on Saturday. But big thank you to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, as he joined us here on the show as he does every Thursday. Uh, he dropped a little bombshell before he left, but that I would expect nothing less from Chris. So, uh, you know, uh, again, I'd expect nothing less from him. No, I mean, Chris is... <laughs> Chris is becoming the uh, the master of those little, little mic drop moments before he he hangs up on us after his weekly weekly segment here on Thursdays. But I will say, I am encouraged. I feel like I'm not losing my mind when uh, he said that 
Arkansas is going to keep stay with Alabama is going to pull that upset. That's that's the that's the one I what I picked that one two weeks ago, and the line is just like crazy. It's Seventeen right now at Arkansas. Yeah, it's like what what are we doing? Like what what have we seen that I'm what like from these two teams that I'm not seeing? I think look, Arkansas should have won last week if they had won. How many how many points closer? Would this line be? I, I mean, think it'd probably be a touchdown closer. I think it'd yeah, still be Alabama which is by crazy. 10. Like, A&M had a 97-yard fumble return for a touchdown, and in the play, one guy handed it to a different guy while being tackled to go the rest of the way and score a touchdown. Your one weird play that we're not going to see again at any point this season from what, this being a 10-point line? I think it'd probably be a 10-point line. But, like, that's not enough to me to, to, to make the line 17 and a half. I mean, this... This Arkansas team is really good, and they have a decent, decent shot to win the SEC West. And I still am going to stick to it because I think if they win this game on Saturday, they're going to be in the driver's seat very quickly because you're going to see Texas A&M drop a game here soon, and then they're going to lose to Alabama, and then A&M is going to fall off the rails, and Arkansas is going to be in the driver's seat. I think I think Arkansas can get this done this weekend. I know not many people believe that i think people think they can keep it close i think they can get it done outright well remember for uh, we talked to joey blackwell Alabama central on mondays and he's been saying for weeks too that this is a has been a trap game for alabama and that he's worried about the crimson tide going on the road in Fayetteville to take on arkansas and i think a lot of people have have sort of stepped back because of their loss last week to, to texas a&m but I think I think Arkansas is going to show up and be ready to play, man. I think they are a good football team. Tomorrow's Friday, which means we're going to talk about this game and all of the other games going on. Just kind of an update on what tomorrow looks like here on the show. We're going to have Brody Miller in the 3 o'clock hour who covers LSU for the Athletic. And then the one and only Jumping Jack Hutton will join us in studio for the second hour. We're going to talk Auburn-LSU. We're going to talk college football, make our picks, all of that good stuff. So tomorrow's finally Friday, man. This week has been a long one, but here we are as we are getting closer and closer to the weekend we've got reminder friday night football tomorrow night lee scott academy versus altaga at home on au 100 that's 100.3 and over on wings 94.3 it's the showdown between auburn high and opelika that will be on wings 94.3 both of those games get going at 6 30 broadcast time kickoff is at 7 on the lee scott sports network and the auburn high school sports network plus all of our live events here on espn over the weekend sports are here for the weekend tomorrow it's going to be a great great show If you missed any of today, go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Uh, We had a couple of great guests today, Locked on LSU, Locked on SEC. It was a good one. But come back tomorrow. We've got another great show before we wrap it up for the weekend. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.